You can record maybe through the mic, but it might be better for me to use this tonight because it's going to pick up a lot better and I just can't force myself to scream tonight, okay? So, well, sore throat's gone, but now my voice is also deciding it's going to go too. So I need prayers. I'm grateful for the next two days of, of rest where I'm definitely going to be doing some resting to preserve my voice. But tonight's message is going to set the stage um, for the rest of the week. And I'm kind of glad, I'm really glad that we ended up, I love the sanctuary, um, but because we've been talking about it and we're going to be talking about it more, that's why I kind of called the audible. And tonight's message is really important for setting the stage for uh, Wednesday night. And it really applies to the rest of the series. So I'm... I'm excited. God's free health plan. Let's pray. Father God, I just want to thank you so much that we can gather here tonight, that we can worship as your people, and that we can study your word and enter into your presence. Lord, right now we ask that you would speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It was the year 1621. The harsh winter had passed. And for those who managed to survive it, it was time to go to work. Many of the pilgrims who gathered together in the Plymouth Colony sought freedom from religious oppression. Many desired a chance for a new start in a new world with new opportunities. It was these men and women at Plymouth, along with others that colonized the eastern seaboard who paved the way for us today through hardship and scarcity. After the winter months of 1621 were passed, spring came with the promise of new life and a new chance to hunt, grow, and prepare the food necessary for their survival. As history records, the growing season of 1621 was largely successful due to the help of the Indians. Following the harvest, the pilgrims wanted to give thanks to their Lord for helping them get them through another year in the New World. Thus, they celebrated what has become considered America's first Thanksgiving. Since the first Thanksgiving, there had been a revolution, a civil war, two world wars, a race to the moon, and many other advances in technology. Today, in the year 2023, as we're coming close to another Thanksgiving, the original purpose has almost been lost sight of. If you remember, they wanted to give thanks to God for how he had blessed their crops and had provided an abundance for them to survive. But if you think about Thanksgiving today, you know, if you wanted a pumpkin pie, for example, back in the day, you actually had to till the ground, plant the seed, grow the pumpkin, Right? You had to water it, weed it, harvest it, and make the pumpkin pie. If you wanted a turkey, you had to make a weapon, go hunting, get a successful kill, pluck the feathers, gut it, and cook it. Nowadays, you can walk into Walmart, right? You can just walk straight into Walmart or Costco or whatever your favorite place is, and you can fetch a pumpkin pie and your turkey if you eat that thing, but here we... We eat that, I don't know what we eat, but um, you know. Anyways, I remember actually just a couple of years ago before I um, fully had moved out of my home, I was home for Thanksgiving. And uh, we went a couple days before, you know, Thanksgiving. And there was just a lineup of people at Costco waiting to get their pumpkin pie. It's such a lost art, you know, actually knowing how to make your own pumpkin pie. Whether or not you know how to grow a pumpkin, but, you know, just simply taking a pumpkin and turning it into a pumpkin pie, it's a lost art. Instead of Thanksgiving being a time for praising God for His goodness, it has become a time of indulgence, often at the expense of health, it's football games and trampling over people in the name of love because of Black Friday now. I know this week we've been taking short little journeys through the health message. We've had these short nuggets every night. And we're learning a little bit more about the importance of health and God's original plan for us. 
Now, as we continue, I want to take a little bit of a deeper look tonight. You know, in our fast-paced society, the majority of people are looking for that quick fix to satisfy their desire for happiness. This has led to an outbreak in obesity in the United States. According to the World Health Organization, the U.S. is the most obese nation in the world, totaling in at 38.2% of its population. Obesity contributes to many other chronic diseases, such as coronary heart disease, diabetes, and more. That's why we're having a Diabetes Undone program. In fact, when I was eating lunch just the other day with the president of the Ministerial Alliance and uh, the vice president... At the grill, there's like almost nothing there that you can eat, at least for me. And uh, anyways, but I made do. We began to talk about, you know, what is the purpose of the Ministerial Alliance? Is it just an informative group that lets other churches know different events that are going on? Or is it trying to actually make a difference by uniting churches to do good in the community? And I just shared with her one of the things that we're doing. I said, you know, in the new year, uh, our church is putting on a Diabetes Undone program at the Donald's Rec Center. And she's like, you know what? I think I might go through that. You know why? Turns out, her diet is consisted of pork, steak, potatoes, cheese, right? Like, that's her diet. And just recently, she found out that all of those things are causing her health problems, that she can no longer eat those things. So the Lord kind of worked things out because I wasn't so certain about what to do when I got there because I wasn't trying to look like a total weirdo for eating differently. But God kind of already worked it out because the only other person that could eat cheese was the vice president. (laughs) And he had bought queso and chips for us thinking that that would be great. And he's like, man, if you guys had told me, I would have gotten something else to share. (laughs) But people are in a state in this nation, especially in Oklahoma. Oklahoma is one of the most unhealthy states in our nation. Now, while coronary heart disease remains at the top of the list of causes for death in the United States, fast food restaurants and junk food industries are right there to make sure the statistic remains true forever. Now... Don't say that in offense to my dear friends that work at Sonic, but we recognize that these things contribute because we're so used to, I have to go, I'm on the move, let's get a quick fix, right? If you were to rewind 150 years ago, as a people, not just in America, but worldwide, a lot more of us were laboring for our food. And in laboring for our food, there comes health benefits because you're working, you're manual laboring, right? You know, that's why Preston and Misty have a farm, right? Have you ever been out there? It's pretty cool. They got some cows and they got some ducks and it's pretty awesome, right? Uh, You know, uh, that's why Manny has a beautiful garden. If you've never seen it, it's pretty awesome. Every year he's got some good stuff, right? So that was the way that we used to be as a people. And that kept us healthy, lean and fit. Coronary heart disease is a disease commonly associated with poor diet and lifestyle choices, and it is feared by many for its proclivity to cause sudden death. However, few consider the power of their thoughts to affect their health. One of my favorite authors wrote, nine-tenths of all diseases originate in the mind. While diet might be the main cause of coronary heart disease, diabetes, and so on, Recent studies have actually found that depression in the absence of optimism is consistent, consistently predicted excess risk of developing coronary heart disease. So what's interesting about God and his free health plan is that God is interested in our spiritual well-being, our physical well-being, as well as our mental well-being. Now we learn that these problems that we've been talking about just in brief tonight are problems that God never intended to plague his people. Okay, Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26 says, If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in this, his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord, that what? Healeth thee. God actually cares about our health. 
God wants you and I to be in good health, right? Think about this. Come with me to 3 John, the book of 3 John in your Bibles tonight. This one's not in your manuscript that I handed out, but just join me there for a moment. 3 John. There's no chapters in the book of 3 John, but we're going to come to verse 2. This is what the epistle of 3 John says. It says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So God isn't just looking for ah, people that have encountered the gospel. He wants healthy, saved Christians. He actually cares about your health. In fact, when we study the Bible, we find that God is comprehensive in his approach to healing. We need healing spiritually, physically, and mentally. This is why Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if you have your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and verse 31, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, to all the glory of God. Okay? So whatever we eat or drink or, or whatever we do, as Christians, God's desire is that we would do it all to His glory. Now, it's interesting, we have this acronym. There's a couple of different acronyms, but the one that I prefer the most is New Start. It's most well known. It is trademarked, so you can't necessarily officially use it. But New Start stands for nutrition, exercise, water, sunlight, temperance, rest, fresh air, and, well, air, rest, and trust in God. Okay? All of these eight natural health laws that God has given us is what we've been learning about. And we're going to finish all of them through this whole series as we go through those little videos. But exercise is one of those important components. And this is why it was good for us to till the ground. God actually gave this to man to keep us busy and active. God didn't intend for us to be couch potatoes in this generation playing video games. That was never God's plan. Or watching TV. Whatever it may be. Now, just a question for you guys. How do you guys know the world record mile time? So let me have a guess at what the world record mile time might be. It was quite an impressive feat for a human. Like, this person was very fit. Four and a half minutes. Four and a half minutes. It's faster than that. It's just under four minutes. Just under four minutes. Okay, what do you think? What? Three 3.96? Well, it would be like 3.59. 3.59 because the minute, right? Well, it's less than 3 minutes and 59 seconds. It was set back in 1991 by, I, I really don't think I can say this guy's name, but Haitim El Garou of Morocco. 3 minutes and 43.13 seconds. It hasn't been beaten since. In fact, there's some who speculate that it's probably humanly impossible. <clears throat> I don't know. <coughs> Can somebody get me some water, please? Now, I am impressed by that. Um, I exercise and I run. In fact, today I rode my bike for 31 miles. Um, and I'm feeling it quite a lot. But... Um, I have this goal and aspiration for my own personal health to break the five-minute mile mark. Now, I've gotten close. My fastest mile time, that's not my fastest mile time right this moment, but my fastest mile time was a 518 mile. So to be able to be in such physical shape that you can run a 3 minute and 43 second mile is quite impressive. Thank you, Jason. But it's interesting when we look at God's Free health plan, new start, nutrition, exercise, water, sunlight, temperance, air, fresh air, 
rest and trust in God, all of these things work together. In fact, you have famous athletes now, like Tom Brady, who won seven Super Bowls. He exercises, obviously, a lot. He's very fit. But he also eats a plant-based diet, right? So he's using the power of good nutrition and good exercise routine to be at the top of his game. Um, the U.S. Open was just recently won by someone who has not been, I, I forget his name. Uh, it's like Novak Djokovic, I think, uh, is his name. He just won the tennis U.S. Open. <clears throat> and he was pretty much the oldest guy on the court. He's like 36 years old. Should have been beaten probably by the younger uh, tennis players that are at the top of their game. But he actually won the U.S. Open. And it turns out that he is also plant-based. So all these things, good rest, good nutrition, they all work together. <clears throat> now, Originally, God's ideal health plan was instituted at creation, and it was upheld throughout the Old and New Testaments, right? Genesis 1, verse 29 says, <coughs> And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. So God never intended for us to be partaking of animal products or flesh um, from the meat of animals. In fact, if you know the history of God's health plan, God does not allow his children to partake of flesh at all until after the flood. Okay? That's the first time that God's children, that's 2,000 years, right? We understand that it's about 2,000 years from the fall to the flood, then another 2,000 years to Christ's death on the cross, and then another 2,000 years to where we are in present day. Okay? So for 2,000 years, God's original plan for humanity remained unchanged when it came to their diet. And it's at the flood that we first find the idea, right? In Genesis chapter 7, if you read verse 1, 2, and 3, we find the idea that clean and unclean animals was not a Levitical law. The understanding existed before we ever get to the laws written in Leviticus. So we see that God's health plan has long existed, and it's the ideal for his people. And the closer we can get to God's ideal, the more clearly our minds will function, the more energy we will have to do the work that God has given us to do, and the more powerful will be our witness. Now this point is perhaps best illustrated in the book of Daniel, which when combined with the book of Revelation is meant to prepare God's people for the end of time, to stand before a just and holy God, if you have your Bibles with you tonight, or the packet that I've handed out, um, join me in Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. When we come to verse 1, we notice that Nebuchadnezzar is taken captive, Jehoiakim, the king of um, Israel, Judah. And this is very important, little detail. That sets the stage for Daniel chapter 1. Now tonight we're setting the stage for Wednesday's study. But if I had time, we would look at Josiah. Because Josiah is the father of Jehoiachin and Jehoiakim. Um, <coughs> it's mentioned at the beginning of Daniel chapter 1 in verse 1. Now if you remember who Josiah was, he is one of the best kings that Judah ever had. In fact, the Bible basically says that he is the best king. Quite a bold statement. Josiah, after the people had been forgetting God's law, he found the law. Actually, the priest Hilkiah found the law, and it was brought to Josiah, read to him. And he brings an entire nation back to God. There's a reformation. And this is right about the time that Daniel is born. So Daniel was born just at the perfect time, right when God is about to do something prophetically. God always prepares the way. If Daniel had been born at an unfaithful time in Judah's history, he may not have stood the way he stood. 
But God prepared the way. All of God's laws were restored. The health plan was restored in Israel. And it sets up the stage for Daniel chapter 1, which we're going to study. <coughs> now we read, After Nebuchadnezzar had conquered Jerusalem, taking captive the Jews and their temple treasures, in verse 3 of Daniel chapter 1, that the king spoke unto Ashpenaz and to the master of the eunuchs that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes and the children in whom there was no blemish, but well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in all knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning of the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Israel, were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So we look at all these qualifications. The king was looking for those who had no blemish, were well-favored, skillful in all wisdom, cunning in knowledge, understanding science, right? This is like the cream of the crop. The king was looking for the best of the best. And God is looking for the same, right? God is looking for men and women, young and old, who like Daniel and his friends, may stand before kings and rulers of Babylon today and change the course of history. The Bible actually tells us that we're going to be brought before kings and rulers at the end of time if we are faithful. And we will have to fear what we're to say because of the Holy Spirit if we have been connecting with God and filled with the Holy Spirit. It is evidence from the text that Daniel and his three friends were a part of the nobility of Jerusalem. And they had been trained to be leaders in the land of Judah. Nebuchadnezzar had another goal in mind, though. He wanted to change their identity. He wanted to train the Jewish captives in the ways of the Babylonian Empire so that they would be good leaders, that they would use their skill, their wisdom, and understanding of science to prosper the great empire of Babylon. Now, this is seen when we look at their name changes. Daniel 1 and verse 7, under whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names for, he gave to Daniel the name Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. Now, most of us probably easily know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's what rattles off your tongue easily. We might forget, but it was Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, right? It was their original names. Everyone knows Daniel, obviously, because that's the name of the book. But let's just take a look at what their name changes meant, okay? So Daniel meant God is my judge. Belteshazzar, Bel protect his life. Bel was like the preeminent God in Babylon. So Daniel means God is my judge, and now we're changing his name to be Bel protect his life, okay? Uh, Hananiah, Jehovah is gracious. Shadrach, the command of Aku, another god in Babylon. Mishael, who belongs to God. Meshach, what is, who is what Aku is. And then Azariah, whom Jehovah helps. And then notice this. Abednego, servant of Nebo, another god. So very deliberate name changes here. Nebuchadnezzar, if you think about this, right, names don't necessarily mean what they did back then. But names in the Bible, I mean, what I was trying to say is names don't mean as much today as they did back then, right? And in, in the Bible times, name was synonymous with character, right? Jacob, deceiver. <laughs> he was a deceiver, right? Um, God was very intentional, would often tell people in the Bible, this is what you're going to name your child. He most certainly did it with Jesus, right? Like there was a specific uh, name chosen because it represented his character and his mission. Now, the fact that Nebuchadnezzar was trying to change their identity and their character should not surprise us because we find ourselves today in the great controversy where God and Satan are battling for the mind which ultimately controls the character. While the changing of their names was an attack upon their identity, Nothing would prove more successful in accomplishing this than a diet change, okay? Now, there's a lot on 
this when it comes to science showing the power of what you eat affecting your mental state. Because God's original plan for us was to have a very plant-based, rich diet that actually filled us with all the nutritional things that we need. Okay? Now, in our society today where we have highly processed food, these things are lacking greatly the nutrition that we need, the minerals, zinc, copper, the different metals and stuff that are healthy, right, that we need in a certain type of form that is best often given to us through the plant-based diet that God has planned for us. Now, we're going to read a little bit more about this, right? Daniel 1 verse 5, as we already read, the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, but at the end thereof they might stand before the king. From the outside looking in, <laughs> this would appear to be a great deal, right? If you think about it, when they arrive in Babylon, they've been traveling by foot for hundreds of miles. Hundreds and hundreds of miles in the desert. And the king's, the king's food probably sounded pretty good. Quite refreshing. In fact, if they went as the crow flies straight, it's 705 miles. But likely, they went up through Syria and back down. They kind of went in a curve, which would have extended it, uh, calculated up to about, oops, I got ahead of myself. About 1,155 miles is what they suggest. So almost 1,200 miles of traveling by foot. And I'm guessing they weren't eating very good. And so now, you come in. And Babylon, it was amazing. Like what history records, the Hanging Gardens. Like there was some amazing stuff. And the king's like, you can have it all. Everything from my table. Now, what was the purpose of this extravagant diet? I want you to notice the word nourishing. The Hebrew word is gedal, which literally means to grow, become great, or important. Promote, make powerful, praise, magnify, and do great things. There was nothing subtle here about the king's desire. Right? God is very intentional about the words that are used. We see that Jesus is intentional when he uses specific words in the Greek language. And so is God here. This, this diet was, oh no. Who stole my, that is definitely not my background. You definitely, did you steal my, somebody stole the slides. Because that picture does not exist on my laptop. That's true. Okay. Let me see here. One moment. They could have actually gone, instead of to Air Adventist kids, I think, they could have gone to Air Adventist. Okay, we're coming back. Look at that. Welcome, CJ and Tiana. We're so glad you're here. Okay, um, we're in the midst of our little thought right now. Okay, oh, I jumped ahead again. Okay. Here we are. There was nothing subtle about the king's desire. He wanted to take the nobility of Judah and make them great men in the kingdom of Babylon to bring honor to his gods. Hence the name change. If you remember, every single one of their names was changed to some sort of uh, honor to one of the Babylonian gods. However, Daniel chapter 1 obviously does not end here. We read in verse 8 of Daniel chapter 1 in your Bibles, if you want to join me there, or in your packets. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Thereof he requested 
of the prince of the eunuchs, that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then you shall make me endanger my head to the king. Then said Daniel to Melsar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days. Let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat, as thou seest. Deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this matter and proved them ten days. And at the end of the ten days, their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh, than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Now you notice, we have to remember that Daniel was taken into captivity with many people from Judah. When we read the story of Daniel, and we come to Daniel chapter 3, and only Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stand for the Lord, I'm guessing that there were other friends from Judea that bowed down and gave in. Just as there were other friends who said, you know what, I'm not going to go against the grain. I'm just going to do the easy thing, and I'm going to partake of the king's table. But Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were men of faith. Now, it's easy to read over the details, but I bolded one of them for you. Melzer says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, why are you trying to change the king's plan? Do you not know, like, if we do this, you shall make me endanger my head. Like, if I change the diet, there's no way you're going to be healthier, wiser, and stronger and the king's going to take my head. But what that means is Daniel and his three friends were also willing to lose their heads too. Now that's pretty radical. Like there aren't too many more stories where God's people are like, you know what? Because this isn't the right food, I need to honor God. Right? This is the only story in the Bible like that. The closest that we get to it is kind of this weird story in 1 Samuel chapter 24 where one of David's mighty men defends a ground of lentils with a sword. And this guy goes berserk. Like you read that chapter, there's three specific mighty men where they tell three stories about what these men did for David. That's the only other story that I know of in the Bible that's kind of about food that just kind of makes you scratch your head. Like, why was he defending the ground of lentils? Like, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Like, what was so precious about these lentils that you're willing to risk your life as one man? But here we're stared straight in the face with the reality that Daniel and his three friends, because they had such a desire to honor God, they were actually willing to risk their lives over what type of diet they partook of. Now, Melzar, in verse 10, notice this. He says, why should Nebuchadnezzar see your faces worse than the children of your sort? I remember my dad told me a story one day. Uh, My dad's tall. He's not the healthiest man these days, if you've seen my dad. But back then, he was like a stick. And um, he was taller than his first grade teacher. Uh, He grew very fast. And he also had kind of a short first grade teacher. Well, he was coming out of a gas station somewhere in Texas. And there were some men just sitting there on the steps, smoking, you know, some cigars and just talking as Texas country folk do. It was somewhere. And he walks out, and my dad's tall and 
And these men ask him, well, man, how many cows does your mom feed you? And my dad, the young boy, he looks at them and he says, well, I'm, I'm a vegetarian. And their jaws dropped. Because most people think, well, you've got to have meat, right, to get your protein. But that wasn't God's original plan. And I think God knows our bodies, which he created, better than anyone, right? And so Daniel and his three friends, they make a bold decision here to stand faithful to the Lord. Even though they might themselves be found worthy of death in the eyes of the king. But Daniel so desired to honor God in every way that he was willing to die over God's ideal health plan. Daniel did not want to eat anything other than that which God had prescribed. Furthermore, when Daniel was faced with the possibility of endangering the life of Melzar, he did not back down and take the politically correct route. Instead, Daniel stood by faith alone on the word of God. God has said it. God created me this way. This is his ideal. This is what he desires. Now, when we talk about health, health is a journey for all of us. You know, the point of sharing Daniel chapter 1 tonight is, as I've said, we're preparing the stage for Daniel chapter 2 and the rest of the prophecies that we're going to cover this week. But you have to realize that Daniel chapter 2 would not have been written if Daniel and his three friends did not pass the test of Daniel 1, the test on diet and health. It would have been written under someone else's name. And it's kind of interesting, right? We're down at the end of time. And just recently, we actually went through a trial globally as people of God as people that just live in this world. This whole pandemic has rocked the world. <laughs> the effects of which we're still feeling and don't even fully comprehend, right? But you had a major decision about health that was being forced upon us. At least for some of us. In Oklahoma, we kind of averted much of that unless we worked in the healthcare system. And in the church, you had two different views. Comply or recognize that the government has no authority to tell you what can go in your body. Or right down at the end of time, and God is looking for a people that are going to stand for Him, that are going to have clear minds because they're choosing as best as they can to get closer and closer to God's ideal. When we get to heaven, you know, we have to recognize what diet are we going to be on? God's original plan, right? So as we're talking about this tonight, the appeal is for each one of us to search our hearts and say, oh, Lord, what do you want me to do about my own personal health? Because health is not just diet, right? We're looking at how it has to do with exercise and good sleep and, and so on, right? And temperance, which is moderation and those things which are good and abstinence from those things which are harmful, to the body. Daniel purpose in his heart, my friends. And this point becomes extremely crucial when you consider the rest of the text in Daniel 1 and verse 8. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king meat, nor the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel purpose in his heart, or... He determined in his heart, or he set his heart to honor God by not defiling himself with a portion of the king's meat and wine. It is likely that Daniel and his three friends would have recalled this proverb. And when you sit down to eat with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you are a man given to appetite, do not desire his delicacies, for they are a deceptive food. 
Daniel was a student of the Word, and I guarantee you that he and his three friends recalled the Scripture. Now, this is quite a graphic Scripture, right? When we see somebody putting a knife to their throat, we think they're suicidal. And God is saying, you need to be careful, right? You need to be careful when you sit at the king's table, right? And I believe they would have recalled this scripture. You know, Psalm wrote that if you are given the appetite, put a knife to your throat. And one need not wonder why, for Solomon himself was defeated through appetite. That was one of his downfalls. He was like, I just partook of everything. And he begins to go after women. Like, there's a lot of things that went wrong with Solomon's life. He took his eyes off of God. But Solomon also had a lot of wisdom because at times he was faithful to God. And another one of those nuggets of wisdom was found in Ecclesiastes chapter 10. As he's near the end of his life, he's writing this book. He says in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 17, Blessed are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobles, and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Proper time. You know, some things that I didn't get to share from the seven-day circadian rhythm cycles that God has put in each one of us as a Really, it's a fingerprint of his handiwork, the fact that we are his, right? The body functions best on regularity when we have regular sleeping hours, regular meal times, regular worship times in the home. We actually function best when we have, as best as possible, a regular routine. I know life can be crazy and it throws us curveballs and not every day goes perfectly. But the more we can get into a routine, as it says, the feast at the proper time. There is actually a proper time for eating. It's best to have regularity in the home. These things are healthy. Now, Daniel succeeded where Solomon and many others had failed. Daniel did not hesitate. The approval of God was dearer to him than the favor of the most powerful earthly king, dearer than life itself. He determined to stand firm in his integrity, let the results be what they might. Daniel did not have to think. Honoring God was his highest priority, as it should be for us. For honoring God is what it means to be a child of the Most High King. And this is made clear by the word defile used in Daniel chapter 1, that Daniel did not want to defile himself, and for good reason. The original word for defile is gall. It literally means to defile, pollute, desecrate. When you dig further into the possible translations of the word defile in the Strong's Concordance, you find the word desecrate, meaning to be desecrated, of removal from the priesthood. And that should stand out to us. Can you see the importance of Daniel's resolute decision to honor God? If Daniel and his three friends had defiled themselves with the portion of the king's meat and the wine, they would have become unfit to be God's chosen people. They would have been unfit to serve God. They would have been unfit to be a part of the priesthood. Now this should stand out to us, right? Because we, everyone here tonight, are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Each one of us, by the power of Christ, has been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. And God desires that we would honor him as we looked earlier tonight in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31. Therefore, whatever you eat, or drink, or whatever you do. Don't even relegate it to just what you eat or drink. It's whatever you do. Do all to the glory of God. My friends, we have been called out of darkness 
We've been called out of this world, and we are to show forth God's praising, calling the rest of the world out of Babylon's systems, which are corrupt and fallen because they originate from the fallen angel Lucifer. We are in a battle for the mind. And which seal will you and I receive? The mark of the beast or the seal of God? We're going to be talking about that as we close out our series. If we will be found faithful at the end of time, it will be found that our lifestyle choices will actually have played an impact on that. You know, something that I've come to conclude is that God's health plan is really a message of love. There's these things called blue zones. One of those blue zones is Loma Linda, California, where Seventh-day Adventists have their main medical center, their largest medical center in all the world. There's some other blue zones, Okinawa, Japan, right? And what these people have in common is they have a very healthy lifestyle. They're very active. They are mostly, not all of them, but mostly plant-based. In Okinawa, like, they're very plant-based with some fish. That's the main meat source, and fish is one of the healthier options, so to speak, if you have to. But the reason these people live long is because of their lifestyle choices. Now this is how it becomes a message of love, right? When I choose and ask God to help me to understand what he wants me to do in my own personal health walk, and as I get closer to God's ideal plan for me, guess what? I'm going to feel better, I'm going to think clearer, and generally speaking, I'm going to live longer and stronger and I'm going to live longer and stronger, mentally coherent, actually with it, right? That's what the study has shown. That's what research says. And what's beautiful about that is that just gives me more time to talk about my Savior Jesus and how he died for me on the cross. That's the most loving thing that you and I can do is tell people about our Savior Jesus and how he came and died for our sins to forgive us. And God is looking for a people who will restore all things and help people to live for their creator. You know, in a generation of disease and mental health, decline where food scientists are crafting food for our cravings. The devil's plan could not be more clear. He is trying to control our minds and lead us into his service. This isn't some hypothetical conspiracy, my friends. It's well known that fatty foods, high in salt and sugar, or any of those three substances could cloud the, can cloud the mind and impair our frontal lobe's ability to reason. I had a conversation with a doctor the other day about the frontal lobe. And one of the aspects we discussed doctor, with Dr. Jill Carlson, one of the aspects that we discussed is the power of nutrition and its effect on the mind. We talked about blueberries and other things that actually are high in antioxidants that boost brain performance and function. Now, some of us know a guy by the name of Dr. Neil Nedley. Um, in his research and the research of others, he wrote in his book, Proof Positive, the more we learn about nutrition, the more we realize that optimal nutrition is vital to superior brain performance. Thus, it is evident that our ability to have superior brain functionality is tightly connected to our lifestyle habits, while our ability to make good lifestyle choices is closely connected to our belief in God and his word. Do we take God as his word just as Daniel and his three friends did? Do we believe by faith that God is able to take care of us still today? That his plans are always best. You know, Josiah, the king, when he restored all things in Israel, he brought back the people to their God. He restored the laws that God had given them. And there was a great revival. And at the end of time, God wants to have a great revival in this world.
So I'd like to invite us right now to stand as we sing our closing song and we go over to partake of some wonderful refreshments that have been prepared. Fresh fruit. There's some special um, like breakfasty pigs in a blanket tonight. There's some cool stuff over there. Anna's knocking it out of the park. Well, it's not real pig, you know. Thank you. Yeah. It's just, just it, that's what you call it, you know. Um, fake pig in a blanket. <laughs> um, so, um, but let's stand and this is the most important thing, you know. I, I'm just appealing to us to, to search this topic out for ourselves and to ask the Lord to show you what He would have you to do in response to this message. Let us sing. I think we'll just, we'll go with it. 493, we're going to sing our opening song again because that was also a song that I chose for the closing song. Fill my cup, Lord. Let God fill your cup up and make you full. You know, there's one king's table that I want to eat at. That's Jesus' table, the king of kings. Hell, what a day that will be. I mean, you think about it. The promised land had grapes the size of heads. How much bigger do you think the grapes are going to be in heaven? Like, I, the spread that God's going to throw when we eat at the marriage supper of the Lamb, whew, man, I want to be there with Jesus and with my friends here tonight, with Ernie and Millie and Tony and Manny and Anna and Travis and Christy and Don and Preston and Misty and Deanna and CJ and Jason. Man, I want to be there. I want to be there in that day. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, tonight we looked at a story of courageous faith that set the tone for the rest of the book of Daniel. And Lord, we know that you have an ideal health plan. And it's actually meant for our good that we would have clearer minds to hear your voice. Lord, we thank you that you speak to all of us and that you're leading and guiding each one of us. Lord, as we're praying tonight, we seek to honor you. We want to give glory to you in all that we do, whatever we eat or drink or whatever we do. And so if it's your desire, as all heads are bowed, to say, you know, Lord, I want to come more in line with your ideal health plan because you're a loving God who knows what's best for me. Just raise your hands. It's a personal journey. But God has a plan, and God will never fail you. Thank you, Lord, for being faithful and true. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.